Gomez and Travis Davidson. You talk about you have no sympathy for Notre Dame. Why are they even relevant? Can somebody answer that question for me? The the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in college football has not won a championship since 1988 when they won in the Fiesta Bowl. I think it was against West Virginia. Ladies and gentlemen, if my math is correct, that's 36 years without a national championship. I know they went to a national championship game. I remember when Brian Kelly was coaching them and he took them to the national championship game against Alabama. What happened in that game, Paul? (laughs) What happened in that game? They got bum rushed so badly. We, We don't. They they got annihilated, okay? Notre Dame slander on your uh, television today. Most of you probably didn't see it because I don't think a whole lot of you watch those ESPN studio shows, and I can't blame you. And the only reason I found it, Travis, was because uh, it was circulating on Twitter. Stephen A. body slamming Notre Dame with all this new college football playoff talk. Uh, Is he right? Is Notre Dame... Not relevant in today's college football. I think they're relevant. I think I think I think they're relevant in the sense that they continue to win games. Uh, they continue to be ranked highly. You know, as crazy as it sounds, they're about as relevant as Oklahoma. So if you don't think Notre Dame's relevant, it's been a long time since we've won a title too. And I think that's where you get into some of the dangers of only counting rings, right? And, and Stephen A is an NBA guy, right? And what, what are NBA, really professional sports in general, but especially NBA guys just known for is rings. That's all that matters. Oh, Jordan Ring versus culture. LeBron? Well, who's got the most rings? Huh? Who, never, who never lost the finals, huh? Well, the, LeBron lost the finals, so clearly Jordan's better. That's about 85% right. of NBA arguments I think I just covered there. Exactly. So when you get an NBA guy who, who Stephen A would admit to be, Talking about college football, it's that's just the take that you get is, well, they haven't won a national title since 88. Well, why are they relevant? Well, because there's a little more to the sport than that. So uh, I love a little Notre Dame slander. Uh, don't get me wrong. But you gotta be you got to be careful if you're an OU fan saying, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah they, they aren't relevant because then all of a sudden you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, man, we look a little – a little golden ourselves. Yeah, there, well, there's more than one reason why OU needs to uh, get back and win the next national championship, but so, it, this falls pretty far down the list, I'm sure, but it would be nice to get back to uh, making fun of teams that haven't won a national championship in a long time with a clear conscience, because you're right, man. I, it, it's still 12 years after Notre Dame did it, but it's still been a while for OU, so we could do a lot more fun things around here if OU wins their next title, include making fun of programs like Notre Dame for not winning a championship in a long time. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And it's it, it's it's funny because right when I heard Stephen A's voice come out, I'm like, what? Am I on the right show? What's going on here? What's Stephen A talking about? But, yeah, it's, it, it's like the Blue Blood discussion that we had, oh, not long ago. It's like so much of it is sustained success, right? Like, I don't think OU's irrelevant because we kept winning conference championships under Stoops. Uh, we won them under Riley. We just won 10 games. Like, we continue to recruit at a high level. Like, none of that speaks to irrelevance uh, for me. But, but boy, oh, boy, we better win a title soon. <laughs> uh, what did we do? Recruiting Boomer says, that's not the only reason MJ is better. MJ has an MVP and a defensive MVP in the same year. I, I wasn't using that to cue up the MJ versus LeBron discussion. Yeah, if that's the case, I I know what we'll do for the next three hours, I guess. But for for anybody worrying, 
Michael Jordan is my goat. Brent from Jinxay, by the way. Well, it's been 23 years since we've won, although we've been way more relevant, says Brent from Jinx. Jimmy and B.A. says, how many conference championships has Notre Dame won? And that is <laughs> yep. a great segue to something that just totally slipped my mind when it comes to the 5-7 order of the new college football playoff. And I agree with you, Notre Dame's still relevant, but I did not think of Notre Dame at all because that your one through four, the four teams who get a bye in the 12-team playoff will be your four highest-rated conference champs. Probably going to be the SEC champ, the Big Ten champ, uh, the ACC, and the Big 12 champ, right? Well, where does mm-hmm. that leave Notre Dame if they end the season as the number one team in the country? That's been a discussion today. And you know what? I don't care. It's their own fault for not joining a conference. I got to say, Travis, I, 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 don't, I don't ever root for Notre Dame, but it would be hilarious if they're in a spot to get a first-round bye and they don't get one and have to play in that first round because they're not in a conference and can't win a conference championship. Yeah. I, you know, in the in the previous model, once they had determined that you really didn't need to be in a conference championship game uh, in order to – I mean, we saw it happen, you know, Ohio State, Alabama. Uh, obviously, we the Big 12 made a Big 12 championship after the, the Baylor-TCU fiasco. Like, so I thought Notre Dame was set up actually really well, right? They basically – guaranteed a week off and dodged a a good opponent on championship weekend and just awaited their fate but now you're right it, the, the pendulum has swung the other way entirely and now i mean tyler you and i know that they're no, notre dame will be taken care of because they're notre dame sure. they'll figure out a way but yeah, I think it's I think it's past time for them to join somebody. And remember, when conference realignment was really, you know, kicking up, when it was the, our daily conversation, Tyler, it was, all right, Notre Dame, you to the Big Ten, right? Big Ten going to want Notre Dame, okay? Well, they're in the ACC and other sports, so are they going to go after them? They immediately after OU and Texas left or, or announced their plans to join the SEC, Notre Dame became the team on the big board that everybody was after, so much so that we were saying that once Notre Dame landed somewhere, then realignment would basically be over. Yeah, and, and good point by Chris and Lindsay. It is true, I guess. Notre Dame does get a bye. They don't have to play a conference championship. That's true, but I, I would rather have a bye in the first round of the playoff and automatically yeah. be in the final eights than you know get, get a bye in a conference championship. Which, yeah, you know, I, I, that, absolutely. That, that's, that's such a weird... That'd be such a weird situation, and and I guess it's just what we're used to, is like you're in the middle of the conference slates, and I, I know the ultimate goal around here most years has been a national championship. That's what, that's what you're chasing. But there's still something to chasing a conference championship down, trying to get into a conference championship game, like, and Notre Dame doesn't have that. Like they have some exciting games on their schedule, sure, but. I, I don't know. I guess that would just be a strange thing to think about for a college football fan, never worrying about conference standings throughout the year. Yeah, it, it, it's it's just it's another talking point too. I mean, every other team in the country says, you know, what are your goals? I mean, Oklahoma's goal forever has been win the Big Twelve championship is the first goal, you know, team goal on our list. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think it's especially with. Like, BYU is not independent anymore. Like, independent schools are kind of falling by the wayside. I know, I know people talked about Oregon maybe becoming independent, but it's, it's time for Notre Dame to join a conference, Tyler. 
Well, which conference uh, will they join if it ever happens? Big Ten or SEC? The Big, the Big Ten makes the most sense. Uh, I know that we've pretty much thrown regionalism to the wind, uh, but it's they're just in they're in Big Ten country. Like it's. But with that point, with everything else going on, I'm going to guess that they joined the SEC or the Big Twelve or something weird because like it's still Stanford and Cal are in the uh, ACC now. I'm I'm just Notre Dame does like everyone else. It makes too much sense that they're in the Big Ten, so they'll go somewhere else. The ACC, if if, I mean, I I don't believe I'm unless something has changed recently. They all their other sports play in the ACC. Yes. So yeah, yeah, I think that's right. So I mean. The low-hanging fruit, probably the least amount of paperwork, would be, okay, we're just, now that we're in a conference, we'll join the rest of our sports in that conference. Because otherwise, the ACC, you know, basketball and baseball, they would lose a school, or they would they would lose a team and lose a school that they've been counting on, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That K-Dub in the 918 says, I think Notre Dame is brilliant, if you ask me. Doing what they would be doing what they would do, they'd be the number five seed every time and get an automatic home game, generating all that revenue in South Bend against the likes of Liberty. Brilliant move. Yeah, I mean, if they're you know a, an actual top four team without winning the conference, I, I, they, they haven't had what was their year last year? They win like nine games, end up winning nine games, something like that. But e- e, Notre Dame's got to make some strides if they're going to be you know, the, the, the number five overall seed heading into this year's college football playoff. Well, they uh, I think they what stumbled on a uh, transfer quarterback for the second year in a row. Yes. Um, incredibly, that everybody knew that he was going to Notre Dame immediately when he got in the portal. Riley Leonard, yep. It's like those Catholics are tampering. <laughs> e Freaky from Illinois says, Notre Dame Thursday night action. Can't you see Notre Dame and Kent's traditional powers, Notre Dame and Miami of Ohio? Notre Dame and Northern Illinois underneath the lights of Notre Dame Stadium on a Thursday night. That'd be sweet. <laughs> That'd be incredible. I'm all for it. Guy from Parts Unknown says, think the Irish, uh, Irish in the ACC saves that conference. I, pff, Florida State's trying to ditch that thing as quickly as possible, and I'm going to guess once they do that, Clemson's going to be right along with them. So I don't think Notre Dame would be so smart just to run to the ACC at this point, if you ask me. I don't think they'd be smart to, but I do think that the ACC, whether they're saying it, you know, behind closed doors or not, are thinking, man, if we could get Notre Dame into this league, at least the the Clemsons and Florida States of the world wouldn't be clawing so crazily or not trying to fundraise so aggressively to get out of this. Because I mean, that would be that that would be a pretty good feather in your cap right there. Sean says Notre Dame is a firewall postponing complete NFL 2.0. We should be thanking them. I don't know. I have a hard time thanking Notre Dame for anything. Yeah, yeah, I'm good on that. I'm good on that. I'll, I'll let I'll let others. I won't stop others from thanking them, but I'm not going to participate. Uh, that's that's going to take me some time to uh, to get there. I uh, I'm surprised that Travis made the start of the show today. I I thought that um, after he heard last hour that it's OU plus ten and a half over Texas in the Cotton Bowl that he would have drove from Tulsa to the Kansas border to go uh, place that bet somewhere. So glad, glad to hear you made it back so quickly from the yeah, border of Kansas. I honestly considered it. I mean, when I saw it, I was like, oh, I mean, because I was just in Nevada. I just got back yesterday and and laid down some bets. Uh, got OU baseball at plus 8,500 uh, to win the national title. So I, I, felt, I, felt, I felt like that was a good value bet. 
uh, took OU baseball to beat Tennessee and Nebraska, so that went well. I didn't know they did single-game uh, college baseball bets, especially that early in the year. Oh, yeah. Caesar Sportsbook, baby. I, uh, I, I bet, I've bet on a game in Omaha before, but that's okay. Regular season college baseball lines. How about yeah. that? Yeah. Are, I mean, are you surprised? With the, degen- with the degenerate nature no, of the gambling No, that's community. what I'm saying. I, I saw that you were wearing an OU baseball jersey. Like, is that – okay, I don't want anyone to think I'm too big of a degenerate, so I'm at least going to wear a college baseball jersey making college baseball bets so yeah, I don't exactly. get judged oh. here. Oh, absolutely. I was like, oh, college baseball guy right here. I walked up to the counter and said, uh, what OU baseball do you have available to bet on today? <laughs> so, Sir, do I have a spread for you? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They say, finally – Finally, but yeah, had trust me, had I had I been still in Nevada and those lines came out, I would have gotten all over it. So we'll see. Hopefully that line stays there for a while, and I'm able to take advantage financially uh, of that option. But no, I did not drive to Kansas. I couldn't make it before the show. You know how it is. Yeah, well, I like like company man. Like Parker and I were talking. If you want to make the argument that Texas is slightly ahead of OU, if you want to make the argument that OU slightly ahead of Texas, I think that you could make. Both arguments. I don't think it's a slam dunk either way which program is ahead of the other going into the first year of the SEC. And I know that because of the schedule is a reason why FanDuel has Texas at 10.5 and OU at 7.5 open up at 6.5 wins. At least I thought that was the case. They clearly value Texas a lot more. And trying to get some action in that game, sure. They would put Texas as a 10.5 point favorite over OU. That that was that surprised me, man. It didn't surprise me that Texas was listed as the favorite, but 10 and a half double digit that that actually did surprise me. Yeah, I think where a lot of the media, maybe Vegas, and we got to remember Vegas's job is to make money, not necessarily pick winners. So, everybody always has to remember that. So, I I think that where there's going to be the divide on the confidence in Texas is Quinn Ewers. It's it's the biggest glaring issue for me and 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 others on this station. I don't think Quinn's very good. Quinn had the best possible situation of any quarterback in America last year, Tyler. He had a proven play caller that's won national championships calling plays. He had multiple, I mean three or four NFL pass catchers. Yep. He had an offensive line full of five stars. He had a Doak Award finalist before he got hurt in the backfield. And then they brought in five-star C.J. Baxter to back him up after that. And you're telling me that with all of those things in his favor, that perfect recruit, Quinn Ewers, in his third year on a college campus, could not crack the top 15 in any meaningful stat nationally? He's never done so. So... That's what's shocking to me. I guess not shocking. I mean, not my first rodeo with the, with these clowns. But they're all saying, man, with Quinn Ewers back, Heisman favorite. You know, like what are you what are y'all talking about? Tied for the best odds with Carson Beck right now. Right, right. Like, like what are we really doing here? Did people not watch the difference between Quinn Ewers and Michael Penix Jr. last year? Well, I, I mean, mean, in Texas, had two losses, and those weren't with the backup quarterback. Both of those losses were with. Um, we're with uh, Quinn Ewers, and he got outplayed by the other quarterback in both games, right? Correct. Yeah. He went two straight years of having worse overall, worse overall year than Dylan Gabriel, 
right across from him, lost their only heads-up game to Dylan Gabriel. And like you said, you watched Michael Penix Jr., it looked like an NFL quarterback versus a high school quarterback in that game. I yeah. mean, the the wow throws, the oh my gosh, that's what it's supposed to look like. With Quinn, he, he just he doesn't do that. And I know Texas fans are are so excited that he's coming back. And I just I think if you I think if you put some some truth serum in him, Tyler, I think that they would admit that they might want Arch to play instead because. I- I don't think I he's don't a bad. It. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I, I really. I don't think Quinn Ewers is a bad quarterback. I just don't think that he is the best quarterback in the SEC or going to be the best quarterback in the SEC this year. Like I, I just don't see him. Like you said, with the talent surrounding him a year ago, and and he'll have some playmakers at wide receiver and at running back, but not like last year, man. And what did he have? Twenty two touchdowns, six interceptions a year ago. I don't think he's a bad player. I, I I do think he's a good player. I just don't think that he's the guy. That's going to elevate Texas to win a national championship. I don't. I just don't see him as that type of player. No, I. I don't see him outdueling a like a like a Georgia defense and outdueling Carson Beck or something like that. Like yeah. I, I don't. He might not outduel Will Howard in Ohio State. Like that might not happen because I haven't seen him go head to head. I mean, sure they beat Jalen Milrow, and that was probably his best game as as a Longhorn was against Bama. But, man, they struggled against Kansas. They should have lost against Kansas State. They should have lost against um, Houston, Houston uh, with that crazy spot. But the, but the real thing about Texas is they still have failed. They're going back to, to old Tom Herman, Texas. They're getting a bunch of shiny wide receivers, and they're forgetting about the trenches. If you cannot replace Murphy and Sweat in the middle and Jalen Ford in the middle of that defense, you're, you're screwed. You're screwed because the strength of that Texas team was the run defense. I mean, every statistic backs that up. Not their offense, not their run game, not their pass game. Despite all the talent and despite Sark being a, a an offensive guy, but it was their their run defense and that defensive line. Well, when you take Jalen Ford, who was first All Team Big Twelve linebacker, when you take um, Tavondre Sweat, who was Outland Trophy winner the best lineman in the entire country on both sides of the ball when you take him away and he was the defensive player of the year in the big 12 and then they had to make his teammate the defensive lineman of the year despite him playing the same position as sweat because he was so good in murphy so you're losing all of that in the interior of your defense and i'm sorry they think kendrick blackshear is gonna true that up i don't know i don't think it's gonna happen but i think that's where so much of the the texas love happens is Oh, Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers, in his fourth year in college football, despite having great situations, he's finally going to live up to the billing. Because a lot of these people, Tyler, ESPN, CBS, I mean, Yahoo, all these people that own the recruiting services, they're the ones that pin their reputation to ranking Quinn Ewers as the top recruit in the country. Of course they're going to continue to say, oh, no, he's he's great, he's great, until the mock drafts come out and they say, oh, wait, he's not a first-round pick. That's weird. No, it's not. Did you not watch him? Of course he's not a first-round pick. 405-651-3439. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll get to that. OU softball, OU baseball, and, of course, yes, OU football as well. We'll do it all today right here on The Ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. Talking Sooner football is what we do. This is The Ref. 
Fowler Automotive is proud to be a part of your community where our passion and values lie far beyond the showroom. We believe that. Nippelmeyer Chevrolet text line 405-651-3439. Weston Sooner says Steve Sarkeesian is going to be Lincoln Riley 2.0. Maybe. I I actually think Sark's going to end up faring uh, a lot better than than Lincoln Riley is. Like, Sark is at least recruiting and getting elite talent on the defensive side. What They had Anthony Hill as a true freshman last year. He was a five-star. Uh, Colin Simmons, they just got as a five-star in this recent class. I am not saying that Texas is all-world defensively. They had their issues in the secondary last year, but I, I think Sarks made it made defense way more of a priority than Lincoln Riley has or that Lincoln, prob- Lincoln probably ever will. So I, I think that those two are, are going to end up in, on different paths. What say you? It's, I don't know, man. It, it's pretty interesting because when you look at just results, like Lincoln Riley has a much better winning percentage than Steve Sarkeesian does in his head coaching career. Sark's 71-49, and 49, Riley's 74-18. and 18. I mean, and, it, and everybody knows that, you know, Lincoln Riley never got, got – you know, the defensive side of the ball right. Well, Sark, are we overvaluing some of the offense from Sark? Because, you know, at Bama, that 2020 team, Tyler, you and I could have been co-offensive coordinators and they would have scored 40. Well, we games. were. We were for that LSU game that year. Oh, you know, remember? Yeah. oh yeah, I remember. Sorry, I had a little bourbon uh, after that game. Uh, but, but, yeah, like, there are – I think the jury is still out on Sark. I don't think it's necessarily a – you know, he's a Lincoln Riley 2.0 by offense, like only caring about offense, not caring about defense. But I do think that he is wildly overrated. Like I said, 71 to 49, it took him 10 years to get to a 10 win season. And I mean, yeah, he can recruit, but everybody recruits to Texas well. Everybody does. So I do think he has a tendency to try and force the game through his quarterback because I think he cares about his reputation with quarterbacks and recruiting quarterbacks because, Tyler, we've talked about this, they had B. John Robinson on that team, and he still decided to put the ball in Quinn's hands. That Oklahoma State game where yeah, it was, was 30 bad. mile an hour wins, he had 19 of 49 through the air. He's got Bijan Robinson sitting back there, the best running back in America, and he's deciding to let Quinn throw the ball 49 times with three picks and loses the game to a not very good Oklahoma State team like stuff like that I still think Sark struggles with because I think he cares so much about being able to recruit high-level quarterbacks and say hey I'm going to put the ball in your hands with a chance to succeed I mean look at the Washington game Tyler if they just run the ball they probably go play for a national championship that's they were doing it at will Washington could not stop the run, and all they did was, nope, we gotta, we got to keep throwing it. And that's where my questions are with Sark. I know he can recruit, but everybody can recruit to Texas. I know that he can score points. I, I think he's done it at every stop, but when the game's on the line, is he going to make the right decision for the football team and use his stable of running backs to actually get it done? Because I haven't seen that yet. 405 says, you make me want to hear your announcer your announcer voice of kicking for chicken. Find a way to work in that in for us daily. Kicking for chicken. Which, by the way, uh, kicking for chicken normally happens going to the north end zone. 
Isn't that where all the visiting SEC fans are going to be sitting now? So the poor uh, guy or gal doing kicking for chicken is going to have uh, Alabama, Tennessee fans screaming at him while they're trying to win free Chick-fil-A for life. <laughs> the pressure just got <laughs> amped up on the old kicking for chicken. Hey, degree of difficulty, you got to have that pressure. you got to try and kick it to an OU fan back there. Jeez, seriously. KW the 918 says, The X factor that makes Muleshoe better is that he has Clark Stroud feeding him grapes for every first down. Sartan does not. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it, I, I did hear a bit of that uh, on on the uh, on locked in picking on Clark Stroud. That's that's always that's that's evergreen fun right there. Tradition Tyler. unlike any other, uh, making fun of Clark Stroud. Uh, Diamond Sports are going on right now in Norman, and uh, we'll start with softball here. They got the uh, they got the Mary Nutter coming up this weekend out on the uh, West Coast, and it's not. Like in the past, we've seen OU play a really good UCLA team, a UCLA team that's ranked number one or number two in the country, right? You won't see UCLA out this year, not that they actually are the number one or number two team this year, but you're not necessarily going to see that heavy hitter out there in Cathedral City this time around. There will be some good challenges out there. They play Mississippi State on Friday, but you can just kind of tell from the tone, and I don't disagree with her at all, clearly, that yes, OU is undefeated, yes, the win streak is at 62 games, and yes, Patty even likes what she's seen so far from her pitchers, at least last weekend in Louisiana, but she's she's realized, and I think she's even a little bit vocal, that they are not, at least offensively, playing their best softball at this point. No, they're not, but I, I think a lot of people around the country will look at that and say, what are you, what are you talking about? You're still scoring, you're still... Not to the Oklahoma standard, yeah. and it's 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 not too dissimilar from when. Do you remember after Jalen Hurts? Remember that post game interview where we won by like a hundred, and he didn't seem very happy. He wouldn't even smile. And I think it might have been Holly Rowe. I was asking him like, "Why aren't you happy?" And he was like, "We just we have a lot of work to do. Like that's not what it looked like." Is that after the Houston game, his, his first think, ever game, I think so. Yeah, when he had like, I think he had three rushing, three passing. Like he he he, you know, had a monster game himself statistically. Um, but you can rack up a lot of rushing touchdowns when you don't know that you're allowed to hand it off on a read option. So I don't I don't know. It, it almost feels like that a little bit, Tyler. Of a look, she knows what it's supposed to look like. So if she's saying this isn't what it looks like, then it is what it looks like, right? I mean, there's no bigger authority in the sport. Well, even the players know what it looks like. I, like after that first weekend where they beat two top ten teams, like, she says, I, I asked my team, graded on a ten scale, got a lot of fours, a lot of fives, and a couple of sixes scattered around. And, I, and I'm going to guess that the, the uh, ten scale ratings maybe weren't much higher after what happened at the play. I mean, they had a game on Saturday night where they left ten on base. Yeah, that's not very OU softball like. Normally, they're, they're the best team in the sport when it comes to two out hitting. And in no way am I pressing the alarms right now. Like, are you kidding me? They've won sixty two in a row. Texas is really good. Georgia's really good. I think Tennessee's good. There's some really good teams out there. OU's still the best team. They're the most talented team. They'll they'll get to where they need to be at some point, but they're not they're not there today. They're not there right now. Is what it feels like to me. I would agree, but I always come back to this, Tyler. Well, well, first of all, uh, about the offensive production so far, I think when you started seeing, like, you know, like Riley Boone and 
and Sid Sanders and 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 some of our obviously talented players start to start to have have big at bats. You almost didn't see too much out of Jada Coleman and Tiari Jennings, and I think you're used to, man. These two are National Player of the Year candidates, year in year out. They are. They're. I, I assume. I mean, I know they're preseason All Americans. We got a bunch of them, but you almost expect to see them these days. Be like, all right, they're going to bat seven fifty. You know, in, in early in the season, they're going to bat, and they just didn't. And I think they'll start to play a little bit better. But I also come back to this every year, Tyler. One of the reasons that we're so good and it shows in the regional, super regionals, Oklahoma City, all of it, is the depth of our pitching. And I think you can't question that oh, this no, year. No, no, no. And, I think, and I think what we've seen, whether it's Odyssey Alexander, whether it's Kennedy, whether wh- whoever it may be that we see in Omaha, if you can get to their ace – you're in usually in good shape because you don't have to pitch yours every time because you have you have a handful of aces. So I think while I I know the offense will get going, what I've seen from the pitching staff gives me long term uh, assurance. Oh yeah, and, and Patty said as much last night. She's talking about S.J. Guerin getting in this past weekend. She looked really good. Gosh, she did. Uh, Patty said, "Quote: Now you've got six truly viable options. An opponent has to prepare for all of them because you don't know." who's coming, or when they're coming. That is a nightmare from a hitting coach perspective and a team trying to gather up all that information, in quotes. And I would agree. Like This sport for a long time was, or at least it felt like, you've got one dominant ace, and you hope to have a pretty good, really good number two pitcher as well to take some of you know off of your ace. But OU's been kind of the first to develop, and you saw last year they had three, four legitimate arms. Like they might have six this year. That's kind of unheard of in the in the grand scheme of the history of the sports. We had, I think, we had three of the top five ERAs in the whole country. I mean, and I know a lot of people talk about, oh, he lost Jordy. Jordy, probably the best player in softball last year. I mean, she was the tournament MVP of the year. She was for sure. Alex Straka went number one in the professional softball draft, and I think Nicole May finished with like a point nine eight ERA. Like that that's what's so wild to me is you've got you had at least three last year that would be aces on ninety nine point nine percent of colleges, and we've got three of them pretty crazy man um they're um they're off to a good start i I still think like Patty would like to see this team play better, and I guess what guys I, I think that that's probably going to happen too much talent on this team for for that not to be the case but also, our expectations, if they only win a game two to nothing, we're like, what? what happened? What happened to the bats? They won two to nothing? They didn't run rule someone in five innings? I don't care if they're a top ten team or not. They only won by two runs? It's crazy, man. Expectations are, are always high, and they seemingly always deliver, though. Uh, okay, we'll get to more of your texts coming up on the other side, 405-651-3439. More OU coming up next right here on The Ref. This is The Ref Sports Radio Network. If you're looking for good times and great rewards, Riverwind is your place to play. With almost 3,000 of your favorite games. And two table game pits in two high-stakes areas. Celebrate the season of love with our Leap into Love giveaway. Play to win your share of $80,000 every Friday in February. Welcome to the best casino in the metro. Does your banker know your business? 
the challenges you face, and what makes you unique? At Armstrong Bank, we're dedicated to understanding your business. Anyone can post on it at any time and start conversations, so it's essentially like a, a message board. So we have our version of a message board on Facebook, the Ref Army Facebook group. So rest in peace, my free time. Somebody uh, somebody alert message board geniuses because uh, no doubt there will be some, some content on the Ref Army yeah. Uh, message board <laughs> that will uh, that will qualify. So far, the content uh, posted by you know followers, listeners, all that. This one says, "I know there's been talk about moving basketball off campus to a new arena. I think they should revamp the LNC just like Houston did to the Tillman Center." And then here's a video of it looks like a six year old kid playing football. He takes a nice angle to the ball carrier. And someone's asking if uh, Brent Venable should go ahead and offer him now. So that and more fun content on the uh, the Ref Army Facebook group. Has Gunny found it yet? Gunny has not found it yet, no. But you can be assured of what type of content Gunny will be posting if he does indeed join the Ref Army Facebook group. I feel like uh, I feel like we will measure time much like AD and BC. Uh, with this particular Ref Army message board, Tyler, I think there will be a uh, before Gunny and after Gunny because I, I, I think he will. There will be that much of a seismic shift in the content once he finds it. Yeah, it'll be look like a, a dispensary group Facebook page. Is what it'll look like. Let's have is, is that is that from the BG era? Oh man, <laughs> yeah. that's from the before Gunny era. Oh, that's a deep cut. Uh, Drew from Flower Mound was at the baseball game last night. Says it was a tough loss last night. I thought after the back-to-back home runs for OU, courtesy of a Michael Snyder bomb and Jackson Nicholas, who had two home runs, we had a chance to win. I feel bad for Golston. He's from Flower Mound. When he came in on the mound and his first three to four throws were wild pitches that hit the backstop and the crowd started to get on him. But he should be fine. And then to give up that grand slam was gut-punching. Have to clean up fielding errors and be better when we have runners in scoring position. Just my thoughts after attending three of the four games so far, but pitching way better. A lot of strikeouts so far this season. Yeah, yeah. well, and, and with Golson, he's going to be really good, but he's really young. He's going to be good. You know, later in the year, you'll need him for sure. But, I mean, even after that, like you had Crooks get a get, – get a – an infield, you know, ground ball that just hits off his glove and they're able to reach and extend the inning. Like, just the little things extended that inning until the knockout blow of the Grand Slam. But it, it always seems like DBU plays us tough, for sure. We lead the all-time series, but it seems like we've lost about a million in a row to them. The thing about schools like DBU and ECU and a couple of the others are – they play in a really bad conference. Well, their big games are their midweek games. So they'll play OU, they'll play Texas, they'll play, you know, A&M, they'll play, you know, some of these better schools during the midweek because that's when they can get them. And then they'll go play their, you know, whoever on the weekend in conference. That That isn't nearly as good as the teams they're playing in the midweek. Well, every other program, like, Usually they throw, you know, their young arms or their inexperienced arms or maybe their fifth, sixth arms or whatever on your midweek games. Whereas DBU, I think they threw their number four, but you really see that in the bullpen, right? Like, would have loved to have Witherspoon, 
you know, throwing some more gas because he was incredible uh, down in Arlington. Like, I would have loved to have him last night, but – you know, you got to work through the bullpen in a midweek, and and you're trying new arms. It's early in the season, and that stuff's going to happen. But you know, it, that's DBU is very uniquely situated. And don't get me wrong, they're a great baseball program, really, really good. I, I mean, they they keep making it to to regionals and supers, and yep. they're they're really, really good. But don't get discouraged on a midweek game where you're playing a team that you're the big deal to them. And we have to get ready for weekend series. So we're not going to use our weekend arms, our Friday, Saturday, Sunday rotation that we just used. We're not going to use them in a midweek. So you really need some things to go your way. And things were going our way. I mean, Jackson Nicholas with two home runs. That was massive. Snyder, obviously, with the big one when we were, when we were down. So with that, you just, you chalk it up to, hey, that's a good game. Nobody that's doing any type of selection at the end of the year is going to look at that game and say, oh, that's an ugly loss. No, you just need to – who they got, Wright State this weekend? You just need to go take care of business this weekend, man. That's that's what, yeah. I mean, that's I mean, pretty obvious regardless of what happened last night. But just one I'll of those be, where be. good opportunities for wins, like go 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 get as many as you can, man. Don't get don't yeah, that serious. Well, and, and, and that's what – I mean, I know it's a sore subject right now, but that's what the basketball team did, right? Like go win the games you're supposed to win. Like we – we're not going to have a single bad loss unless we lose to OSU. But it, basketball won't have a single bad loss on the resume, and the committee looks at that kind of stuff. Like, you have to take care of business. Like, beat the teams you're supposed to. Basically, the James Franklin model. Beat the teams you're supposed to. So, with this weekend, you got to get a minimum two of three. And I'll, I'll be in town for one of them. It's my, it's my birthday weekend, so ah, I'll, be nice. that, uh, I'll be at that Saturday one. So, hopefully... And I, and I hope it's a good crowd. I was really encouraged by how much crimson I saw in the stands. Uh, obviously, Drew from Flower Mound, Flower Mound, Jim in Arlington, uh, you know, a lot of the KRF Army where they were representing at the DBU game. I really hope that's indicative or a sign of things to come for OU baseball this year. I'd really like Eldell to be, to be filled this year. Good point by Sooner Jets. Once Gunny finds it, our group will be at an all-time high. Yeah, just, his, just his presence. Wow. That would be the nice. case for sure. All right, we'll close up hour number one coming up next. Top of uh, hour number two, we're going to take a look at the schedule for OU in the SEC in year one. Kind of, you know, just a short summary on uh, every single team that's on the schedule and maybe what to expect uh, before going into spring ball. That'll be a lot of fun. But we'll talk a lot of SEC football and, of course, OU football today right here on The Ref. This is... As we wonder why they're skipping school, someone is crying themselves to sleep. Knowing the signs is the best way to prevent bullying. Please just leave me alone. Learn the signs at sandyhookpromise.org. Cavens Group bringing you the sour of the rush. If you have an emergency 24 hours a day, give Cavens a call at your home or your office building. They specialize in fire, water, mold remediation, and crime scene cleanup. Have an emergency repair at your home or your office building. Give Cavens a call at 405-573-3048. That's 405-573-3048. I guess Johnny Manziel is talking right now. I don't know why. When is he not? But apparently he just said that his dad tried to broker a $3 million deal on his behalf 
to return to Texas A&M in 2014. So he was a starter in 2012, 2013, then he left. I guess he's saying his dad tried to broker a $3 million deal on his behalf to return to A&M. Johnny said, quote, and my dad did this without me knowing, and I ain't mad at him about it for nothing. It's the way business worked back then. There was a bag man. There was a bag man at LSU. There was a bag man at Bama. There was a bag man at every school around the country if you were competing for a national title. <laughs> I mean. There's a man with nothing to lose right now. I mean. <laughs> I mean, I like that LSU and Bama are catching strays. Uh, that's pretty fun. That's pretty funny. But it is. It makes me feel old to hear Johnny Manziel say, "That's how it worked back in my day." You know what I mean? Like I know it was like ten years ago. Which yeah, is Johnny. Crazy. Johnny, it's really not that long ago. People that were, a lot of people that you played with are still in the NFL. Mike Evans sure is. Yeah. So, so the back in your day stuff. Yeah, that's it's still your day. It should have still been your day at least. God, that's, I mean, it's, we all know, the bag men, I mean, it's gone back years and years and years, so that's why I always think it's funny that, you know, NIL's ruining the sport. NIL's just, they just have a name for it now. LSU and Bama just minding their own business, and Johnny Menzel's uh, telling everyone that there was a bag man at both LSU and Bama. Well, okay. I'm sure that we'll hear a lot more from Johnny Menzel in the future. doesn't sound like he has uh, (laughs) a... Whether we like, whether we want to or not. Yeah, it doesn't sound like he's got too much going on. Man, is there a big basketball game on Saturday in Stillwater? Uh, I know. I mean, it doesn't really have any conference championship implications, but it's got NCAA tournament implications. It has Big Twelve tournament implications. I, I don't know if people have seen like the new structure of the Big Twelve tournament and how it's going to work. But eleven through fourteen, eleven through fourteen seeds will play. On that opening day, the rest of the teams get a bye. OU's currently at ninth right now, and they're not far off from that 11 spot. So are they playing for their tournament lives on Saturday? Potentially. But you got to hope that they end up as one of the top 10 teams and avoid that, that first day of playing games. I, I know it's an opportunity to get an easier win, but still you would feel like going into the Big 12 tournament that you don't have to win one or two games to make it to the dance, and that's probably the spot that you're in. If you're in that 11 to 14 range, yeah, and Porter needs it. Like Porter needs to not split the series with a bad Oklahoma State team. One of the knocks on him has been his record against OSU in Texas. He's got an opportunity to split with Texas. He's got an opportunity to go two and zero against Oklahoma State. A year of going three and four against his rivals, man, that is exactly what the doctor ordered for Porter Moser. But yeah, I mean it's. It's it's huge to take advantage of. You've got basically Cincinnati, I think, and Oklahoma State are pretty much your two games that you can be like, okay, I can I can see paths to going two and zero there. We've got some tough ones, man. Even Houston, at Texas, will, Texas will be difficult. Yeah, yeah, so much. You got to beat OSU. You got to beat Cincinnati. Yeah, uh, I, I do agree that Cincinnati, Oklahoma State are the two most winnable games. Probably Cincinnati more than any other. Texas not as difficult as Iowa State or Houston, but they they handled you the first time at LNC. It's not going to be easy to go down in Austin and get a win, even though they're not necessarily playing great offensively right now. Hour number two coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. Yeah.